My first church job was at Anaheim United Methodist Church. I had completed all the like formal things I had to do. And literally I stepped into my office. I put my books away. I sat down at my desk and I was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this job other than that they've agreed to give me a paycheck for somehow being a pastor. The Anaheim had hired me to be a youth pastor at the time. And I just remember this like, this sudden flash of like, gosh, I have like a master's degree, but I have no practical idea of what this is going to mean. And like my learning has just begun in this position. And thankfully, uh, walking into the door is these three characters, these three men who like, it's almost like, the church was their second home and they were gonna take care of this place no matter what. And I, at first I was like, oh no. And there's a man named Chet Singley, a man named Rudy Zitney, and then a man named Jack Albright. And from the day I started, it was like they took it as their personal mission to like educate this young pastor on what he ought to do with his time. And so at first I was like, oh goodness gracious. Every day on key throughout the day, they would step into my office and one of them would share a joke, or they'd share a story, or they'd share something about their favorite sports team. Every day, it was quick, it was precise, it was purposeful, and then in and out. And I was like, okay, this is great, you know, okay, fun times, and sometimes the jokes were clean, you know? And, <laughs> and so um, there's just this rhythm to it every day. And I remember just like wondering, like just thinking in my head, oh, this is just so superficial. They're, they're really checking on me, making sure I'm doing my job right or doing anything at all. But every day from the day I started there at Anaheim till four years later, when I moved to another church, Chet, Chet and Jack and Rudy giving me jokes, telling me these wonderful stories. And then there was um, our office manager, Sherry Hanberg, who every day would step by into my office and tell me about her grandkids. And she would tell me about her kids. And then she would tell me the stories of this wonderful church that she'd been at for almost her whole life. So this amazing community, these amazing people, these jokes that seem so meaningless on one hand, and then these stories of their life, and then these like almost these little newspaper clippings of like, you should read this young pastor, wink, wink, you know? And it made me think of this beautiful Psalm that comes in 133.1. It says, look how good and pleasant it is, the dwelling of brothers and sisters together. And it's in community, in real community, when we open our lips and mouths and share the most profound things from simple things that seem not to matter to the depths of our doubts and our fears and our despair how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together. We've been looking at this beautiful Mary Oliver prayer, this incredible female poet who um, is incredible in our world. And she has this little teeny poem that she says, instructions for living a life, pay attention. And we talked about what it means to pay attention. We talked about all around us is this sort of looking up at the stars and being able to see it, to experience it, to slow ourselves down enough to be attentive to what's going on around us. And we talked about being astonished and we talked about burning bushes everywhere. We talked about my daughter kicking the ice mounds with her feet, with her cape on before as I'm walking her to school and how this everywhere around us are these astonishing things. And then today we come to an end to our series, uh, at least of this poem. And it's lastly, it's tell about it. 
And I'm amazed by Mary Oliver, the way she can say so simply such deep and profound things. And she invites us to think about this new year, the directions we're setting, the intentions of our life. And she invites us to remember these three seemingly simple, but beautifully deep things. Paying attention, being astonished, and telling about it. And this telling about it, the literally opening of our mouths and sharing with one another. I think that when we open our mouths to engage human communication, to engage another human being, it's, it's sacred. It's like being on holy ground when we're actually able to, to share. Maybe it's a simple joke or a story, but these doubts, these fears, these profound things come when we connect with one another. There's a camaraderie that's built. There's fellowship and community, and it's all so really beautiful and fabulous inside. Tell about it. There's a book um, that C.S. Lewis wrote, the famous literary critic and the writer of the, the Tales of Narnia. And he wrote a book on the reflections on the Psalms. And he talked about this wonderful thing, this dynamic in human life of praising things or opening up your mouth about things. And what he writes is just so wonderful. He says, the world rings with praise lovers, praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. And he reminds us of what it means to be human as we're people that were made with communication. We're the only people in the human that make human languages up so that we can hopefully communicate with one another. We write them, we inscribe them. He says this, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time the most balanced and capacious praised most, while the cranks, the misfits, the malcontents praised least. The good critics found something to praise in many imperfect works. The bad ones continually narrowed the list of books we might be allowed to read. The healthier unaffected men, even if luxuriously brought up and widely experienced in good cookery, could praise even the modest meal, the dyspeptic, I looked it up, and the snob found fault with all, except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. So when we open our mouths to praise, to tell about the wonderful, astonishing things of our world, we are sort of contributing to this inner audible health. And I, I would take it a step further that every time we're able to open our mouths and share something wonderful with another human being, we're doing something deeply spiritual. We grow when we tell people about the things of our life, the things we're afraid of, the things that are wonderful, the things that are on the horizon for us. And then he says this incredible line because he's looking at the whole book of Psalms and trying to understand why we have a book in the Bible dedicated to telling people about it. He said the psalmist in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men and women do when they speak about what they care about. When you open your lips to another human being, you're telling people what you most care about in the world. The Psalms then put in that perspective are this incredible history written over a number of years of people doing their best to tell people of the wonderful mysteries and awe and wonder of this God who is active at work, shaping hearts, moving into our lives in the world. This beautiful Psalm 96, one through four says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 
Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revealed above all gods. When we decide to tell about it, when we decide to tell these things within us, we're doing something spiritual. We are contributing to our spiritual growth. We're doing one of the most beautiful things we can do as human beings. One of the things that are sort of core or are um, like primal to being human, sharing with another human being. I recently heard about the Harvard study of adult development. This is phenomenal. Uh, Harvard got together a huge, large sum of money and did a qualitative and quantitative study of human development. They took 724 men and they studied them for over a 75-year period. And um, ladies, just so you know, year 50, there was a massive revolt and the women said we need to be in the study. So they raised more money and included the women in the study. So um, just so you know, fascinating. So they studied these men. They wanted to know, they did not only sort of interviews one-on-one with them, but they did mental health tests and physicals with them. They wanted to know stuff about stress and mental health. They wanted to know about alcoholism. They wanted to know about World War II, PTSD. They wanted to know about childhood history, childhood trauma, and how it works itself out in the human life. And um, this is the longest and most extensive test or study of human development in the history of the world. And I was so amazed by this little study that they did and the, like doctor after doctor and research uh, student after research student tallying these and coming to these conclusions and their, their conclusions were shocking. Qu- qualitatively and finally in the end run of all these lives, life was not about fame and wealth and power. This theme came up over and over again. And this is what the the researchers came up with. Good relationships keep us happy and healthier. This was their like their denouement after like 75 years of like uh, incredible rational research. Good relationships keep us happy and healthier. When we learn to share life with other people, um, we're happier, we're healthier. Um, this is fantastic. The, the survey also goes into loneliness in our society, and it does some really fascinating things. It says that one out of every five Americans say they're lonely. One half of Americans say they have no one outside of their family to share confidences. And they also says that our society is increasing in social isolation. So the opposite of this perspective, this connectedness, this deep sense of being able to share your life and share your dreams and hopes and fears is loneliness, isolation. Um, our society is one of the first that um, has, has quoted and said a very significant decrease in social connection to close friends and family. So there's this rampant loneliness And we know qualitatively that there is this desire and that whole and true human flourishing happens when we're able to share honestly, authentically with one another. There's a couple things they came up with that I thought was also good of sort of uh, grouping all this stuff. It's not the number of relationships in these men and women. It was the quality of the relationships. I thought that was interesting. So it's not like more and more friends, but it's going deeper with the friends and neighbors that you have. And then it said that good relationships protect our bodies. So we actually stay, our health is connected to uh, our relationships, our ability to share with others, and also our brains. 
So um, our physical bodies, the way we get sick, the way we heal, the way we mend is connected to this ability to share. And also our brains, the neuroscience that's going on inside. You remember longer when you're in long-term good relationships with people. Your brain stays sharper. Uh, phenomenal to think about this. And in, in there's this poet, Mary Oliver, who tells us very simply, tell about it. Hope in your life to someone else and begin to share the mystery that is you. The only one created that's ever been like you. Sharing those deeply scary things as well as those joys that you can't even put into words. I remember what I had thought at a young age with Chet and Rudy. What I thought was just sort of superficial. I remembered when Chet had a hip replacement. I thought that I would like return his joking behavior and I snuck into the hospital with In-N-Out Burger for him. And I had, and already Rudy and Jack had already been there to visit him. And it reminded me that this playful joking of these men, it was much, much more profound than I realized. When Rudy lost his wife, the first people at the funeral, the first to embrace him were Chet and Jack. When Jack uh, ended up living in Anaheim as a single man his entire life, and I can't tell you the amount of times Chet would come into my office and say, gonna, gonna drive by Jack's house, make sure he's all right, pull him out of the cave, you know? And this deep love for these three men, and Sherry, and her deep love for everyone in the congregation, always pointing out, hey, have you checked on this person? Have you, have you wrote a note? And oh, maybe I'll go write a note and say hello. It is this awe and wonder of being human that we have the ability to open our lips and share with one another these beautiful, profound, sometimes uncomfortable things uh, uh, with one another in community. I remember um, I worked for this pastor once and she, at every staff meeting, she was patient and she was kind and she would ask one question. She would say, where have you seen God? And then she'd get like awkwardly quiet. Like she's not gonna say anything. And then she would just be patient. And every person had to share where they had seen God. And it could be as like profound and beautiful as like through this nature hike that I just went on to, to my kids' eyes or to this, this, this piece of music I'm working on that's just beautiful or to algebra. And she would just sit there and be patient and allow us to tell about it allow us to open up. And I didn't realize how profound these moments are when we just share with one another these simple things. It begins to form us. It begins to create healthy bodies and healthy brains in our world. So I'm sitting at my desk and this time Chet Singley comes in and it's a cutout cartoon from the newspaper and he gives it to me and we share a laugh with one another and I'm just amazed. And there, there comes this point where I think to myself, um, how is he able to, to share this? How is he able? And, and when, when you know Jet, Chet and Jack, they're men who are safe. They're men who are trustworthy. And I started to learn that if you want to be one who tells about it, you also have to be one that learns how to listen. Because I've learned that there are those of us who are really good at talking and talking a lot, guilty as charged right here. Uh, as you remember, a college friend of mine once said, Dale, in the body of Christ, you are the mouth. And, uh, and there are those of us who are really good and sort of like first ones at listening. 
And we know those people, right? We're drawn to those good listeners who are just, the, by being in their presence, you feel calmer inside. And so I think what we have to do within us, if we want to be people who tell about it, we need to create within our very being this safety. Within our very hearts has to be this safe place where people can be, um, be safe and they can be trusted. So our very beings become the very um, embodiment of this truth. Jesus says it this way in this just beautiful verse. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble, bramble bush. A good man and woman out of the good treasure of his or her heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And this is the key. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So if we want to be these people who share, we have to cultivate within our very hearts this ability to be safe and to be trusted. And then we're able to be the men and women God's calling us to be. And we're able to experience new life in our spirituality. And we're able to be authentic and real, not afraid to share those fears and those hurts and also those joys. So there's that fascinating verse that we sang today that's, that Jesus says, hey, listen, I tell you, if, if you remain silent, the stones will cry out. And I've always loved that because, of course, it's this play on like, you should be people of praise. You should be people who are telling the world. And so uh, as we end today, I just, I just end with these questions. Who are you in consistent community with? Who in your life are you able to really let go and share out of the mouth, the joys and the pains. Who do you need to call today and just share a joke with? Share a story. And then lastly, if you don't do it, apparently the rocks are gonna cry out because we were created to be people who tell it, to people who share with others. Amen.